With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. See yourself here. This 
Nice wee intro there, JP. We're just hoping that uh, JP's signal comes back to fruition so that we can start talking about Thursday's edition of the Axon Bulletin. It's a little bit um, jittery at the moment, JP. Hence the reason the wakes came up on the screen as an intro. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. It is Thursday afternoon and I will be joined by JP. There's a few wee signal issues where JP is situated, but we're trying to sort them out. And we're looking at... Everything in the world is Celtic. What's been happening in the last 24 hours? Um, big moves are afoot, it would appear, in respect of Yakamakis and Juranovic. We're going to be looking at uh, the latest gossip around whether or not they will still be Celtic players come the 31st of January. Uh, we'll also be looking, obviously, at the uh, Glasgow Derby because JP's not had a chance to talk about that. All the big talking points uh, start and line up the substitution which uh, pitched JJ at left back. Should Johnson have made his debut? How well did he play? How pivotal were the substitutions um, as well? And when you look at Carter Vickers, just how important is he week to week for Celtic? Another colossal display by the big fella. Um, but there's also bigger issues as well. Celtic are going to be in dialogue with the SFA in relation to VAR. Once I've done my intro, we'll see if we can get JP back in into the room. Uh, but we've got to question also the um, ability or otherwise for the Ibrox club to keep Celtic players and staff and fans safe within Ibrox because we are hearing reports um, immediately after the game of a fan being hit with a glass bottle splitting his head. Um, this follows on from Joe Hart picking up broken glass in his dugout. I can see JP is ready to rejoin us, which is looking good. Um, and also a member of staff requiring stitches at Ibrox last season. And then we find out that there was a number of weapons stashed at Ibrox as well. Let's bring JP into the discussion. There he is. How are you, sir? Can you hear me? We're back. We're back. Can you Audio hear me? Audio and visual. All good. All oh. good. Right, okay, oh, good. Uh, you know right. what I hate, JP? I hate that moment of despair where you think, oh, no, he can't see or hear me. And we need to sort it all out and we've got a minute to do it. But we're back. We're good. Paul Sheridan saved saved their blushes for a few seconds. That's good. I have got his T-shirt on, look. There you oh, go. yes. That was now, a, a wee gift from him at Tuts last week. Is that right? Uh, listen, we're going to have to speak about this, right? We're going to have to speak about it because just because of the, the diary and the way everything dropped, it just so happens that the Wakes were playing a sold-out gig at King Touch last week. On yeah. the back, what was it, a couple of weeks after the charity single was released, maybe a week after yeah. the charity single was released, and yeah. uh, you sent me a tremendous picture of Chris. What does he get called? Fingers? Is that his nickname? Fingers. Yeah. And he's wearing the Axom yellow shamrock top. Um, so we're going to kick off with that because we had a wee intro from The Glory and the Dream which you can download or stream on the links under the video. Then we're going to get rattled through all the big topics in the world of Celtic. How was the gig, JP? It was tremendous. Um, <laughs> they started with Bella Chow, which you can imagine <laughs> was a sort of half and half of 
the proper lyrics of the original lyrics of Belichick and also Glasgow Celtic, the best in Scotland. So quite surreal to be standing inside the stage and hearing that getting belted out in touch. But it was oh. uh, it was great. They did yeah, they did loads of stuff. They didn't do the glory in the dream because um one of their members couldn't make it, which was the a, a crucial part to the the musical I don't know, set up of that song when they play it live. And obviously they haven't played it live yet. So, um, but I'm assured it will become part of their set. Wow. I mean, that that would be, I said before, the kind of dream would be to hear it at Celtic Park and that happened. They played it all across the Tannoy, of course. But walking into a venue someday, JP, maybe for a random pint of Guinness somewhere in Glasgow and somebody in the corner is playing the song. That's the dream. And if it's the Wakes that's playing at a gig, that's even better. Loads to discuss, JP. I'll tell you what, a week is a long time in the world of Celtic. Mm. I'm going to start off with that superb tap behind you. Um, I remember when that was that was released and a lot of Celtic fans were concerned at the fact that we didn't have the stripes on the back. Mm. Once you've got a name and number on the back, it looks cracking. And obviously he is one of the men of the moment um, after the, the draw at Ibrox. Yeah, I didn't just rush out and get Maeda in Japanese and 38 on the back, off the back of a goal at Ibrox. I uh, I kind of fell for that guy in a big way when he signed. I don't know, I just, there's something about him, just this kind of like steely assassin look about him. He just looks like an absolute menace, and mm-hmm. as he's proved to be. And uh, I was when he scored that goal on Monday, one of the first things, well, First thought that went through my head was to go absolutely mental and jump about with uh, two guys next to me and the Glenn Cairn and another Glenn who I'd never met before. But um, the second thought was of the guy that, that I sat next to at the Bodo Glimt home game who said he was a fraud. I remember you saying that. Yeah. I don't forget these things. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so, aye, I just wonder, I wondered if I could have a conversation with that guy right at this second, what would he be saying? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we, t- we said last week, Players make a name for themselves at Ibrox when they score a goal. Yeah. He scored one. Kyogo scored one. Both as important as each other at the tail end, at the start and the tail end of a game where we didn't play at our best, but they've scored big goals in, in that in that stadium now. So, mm-hmm. um, my and Maeda's more than proven <laughs> value for money. I mean, what what the hell did we pay for Maeda? I, I, it's probably criminal what we paid for him. Yeah, it is, because it worked out in, in the region like £1.7 million, JP, right? But th- that that finish by Maeda, um, the, the the steeliness that you spoke about, because he does, he seems so focused, right? He but starts he, his run as soon as that, as soon as Morelos makes that pass, Maeda's already running on it. He's anticipated that, that he's going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Which, gives him, that, that, which gives him those couple of yards to get to it. And then he's got two obstacles to overcome. Well, you see, before obstacles. he gets to the, the goal, you, you know, yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. Um, there's loads of talking points, JP, uh, in, in relation to that game, but obviously, that we're in the midst of uh transfer window in January's transfer window. We've got Yakimakis and Juranovic popping up time and time again in the gossip columns. Um, not only that, but there are there are decent sources, particularly for the Juranovic links. Um, we then you know, bring that into how we're using both players uh, in relation to the game on Monday as well. First in is Jungle Lion. Welcome to the show you're watching on YouTube. Certainly can't be shortchanged. I'm going to bring up a few examples of what I mean by that because some of the figures I'm seeing in, in relation to both of these players 
are too low. Simple as that, JP. Uh, but Celtic should ban them from Celtic Park forever and refuse tickets for there. I think this he's is, not talking about Jack and Marcus and Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously talking about um, one of the big stories yesterday we, we discussed, and then again, more information this morning in relation to the safety aspect at Ibrox, JP. And mm. a few weeks back, you were talking about, you know, getting a ticket, somehow getting a ticket. You would feel guilty if you were at Ibrox because you know that there's other people not getting tickets, etc. Fair play. But whoever's in that stadium, and Declan was there, Declan was at the game. Not too Aye, sure. De- Declan goes everywhere, so I've got no issue with Declan I, getting a ticket. Do you I, know what I mean? I'm not sure if Natasha got a ticket, but Declan gave us an insight into what it's like now at Ibrox to go to the game. So what I'm what I'm getting at, JP, is even if you were given a ticket, it's getting to the point where I've spoken to plenty of people who think I'm not safe. You know, I wouldn't use it. Where are you on that? Because obviously we've seen the images of the the fella who got a, a bottle to the head. Right. Um, and, you know, Declan went on to say that there was plenty more missiles thrown into the 700 odd Celtic fans and cups of urine and all that kind of stuff. And it's, and it's happening for 97 minutes. If you were and you weren't feeling guilty about other people going to the game and stuff, JP, and you were given a ticket, do you feel safe enough now to go to Ibrox? Not by the sounds of it, no. I mean, when you say safe, obviously one person is one person too many to get any sort of injury. Um, there's, there's a kind of weird fascination that I would like to go and experience it. I've experienced so many different things as being a Celtic fan, and that, but I haven't been in that sort of weird, very kind of volatile environment where you are, I mean, you're really in the minority and you will feel it when you're there, I've no doubt you will feel vulnerable when you're in that little corner where you're susceptible to anything from two sides of the stadium. And, you know, if a Rangers fan's watching this and kind of laughing and going, ah, that's what you get, that's what you get, you know, well, what, why is that what we get? Like, what? why why, why do we deserve that? Like, why, why should we be subjected to that? I wouldn't expect Rangers fans at Celtic Park to be subjected to that, regardless of what they may or may not do in a minute's silence. I don't agree with anybody disrupting a minute silence. But then, as we've heard, it wasn't just Celtic fans disrupting the minute silence. It was their own fans as well yep. who mm-hmm. chose to make uh, expletives or expletive statements um, at the start of it. And uh, that's always been my thought on minute silences. I don't agree with anybody disrupting them. I think it's it's crass. I, I, I don't. Could not possibly entertain an argument for disrupting a minute silence because it's been decided, it's everyone's aware of it. You just shut up for a minute, referee blows the whistle, and you get on with the game. Whether you agree with it or not, you just stand and I've observed loads of minute silence over the years. The Queen Mother, um, with ex Rangers players who've passed away when we've been at Ibrox, have held minute silence. I'm sure Jim Baxter was one. Um, I mean, the pub I was in on Sunday, the Glen Cairn in Rutherglen, full of hardcore Celtic fans, absolute mm-hmm. hardcore Celtic fans. See, when the whistle was blown for the minute, silence. Silence in the pub. Yep. Mm-hmm. Silence. That's people who would be <laughs> at the game otherwise. There was people there definitely oh, yeah. who would be in the away support. And somebody made a noise or something like that, and I heard someone go, shh, shut up. Like, it, they weren't making a noise to be a... a, a um, Inflammatory. They just, mm. were, I think they just were talking or something like that. And somebody, no, shut up. And then Aye. there was a hush over the pub. I'm not making that up. That happened. I was yeah. there. 
I experienced it. So this idea that Celtic fans are scum and all that, that, you know, a couple of people who've maybe had a bit too many, few too many sherbets who decide to get a bit gallus while they're in that moment. And obviously being in that moment and being in that corner of the ground, it's a, it's a very, very weird state of mind to be in probably. I'm not saying that excuses it, but you might feel a bit more bold, emboldened to do something mental like in, interrupt a minute silence where you might not otherwise if we'd had a full stand, for example. Um, and I know that it's happened with a full stand. I remember one time just at the tail end of a minute silence at Ibrox when we had the full stand. I can't remember what it was for, but somebody shouted something and the next thing the guy got jumped on and got bounced out down, down the stairs. I was to mm-hmm. my left and I saw yeah. that. I'm not making that up. That happened. Um, so that's my take on the minute silence. You asked me something else before we went into that. Uh, well, it was safety, but it, it does the whole thing, the whole experience oh, yeah. of the, on Monday, JP, um, and talking to Declan, and he gave us a wee bit more, you know, information in relation to that. I felt what happened with the the minute silence was that very, very quickly a narrative was set that Celtic fans had disrupted it, and obviously oh. footage was then released to show that that wasn't the case. But by that point, people are so keen, JP, to jump onto social oh. media and just say, oh, you know, and Celtic were, fans were being called abhorrent and all this kind of stuff. And then you see the facts, and it wasn't like that at all. And unlike yourself, you respect the minute silence. We had a minute silence on the on the broadcast for Frank McGarvey. But obviously it was within the same time period as a minute silence for those who lost their lives at Ibrox. So we're respecting you know, a group of different people. And that's that's what we did. So I, I just think I was unhappy with the narrative that's very, very quickly uh, that Celtic were bad and we didn't... We didn't I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really know how anybody could have an issue with a minute silence for people who have lost their lives at a football match. Do you know? Like, I just don't really get how... I don't know how that would... That would and at some point in my brain, I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be disrespectful to these people. There, are, you can be a diff, there can be a difference whereby you maybe maybe don't like the royal family. Still, someone's died. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you still just stand and give a bit of respect, even if you don't have any time for the royal family or anything like that. I, I just think it's I don't know. I, it's, it's such a it's such a weird one. It's become this it's such a a strange. Uh, a strange thing to to exist in our society, whereby minute silences are poured over, and people's characters and supports are judged over mm-hmm. over whether or not they observe a minute silence for for someone or or some people who have died. It's it's it's, it's really it's quite saddening, really. But that this ticket allocation thing, it, it surely has to be looked at with 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 the, with the safety thing, like you said, with people with things getting chucked into the away end and all that. Yeah. that you know how did how did they how can they possibly police that properly? And then the fact that there's this weapons stash or whatever it is is found as well. Added to, to all the glass bottles that were found after the last game when the glass mm-hmm. was on the pitch. And again, this isn't ambulance chasing or whatever they like to call it. This isn't um, getting up in arms about nothing. It's, there's all this evidence that's stacking up in front of us that's pointing to the fact that someone is going to get injured. Seriously and injured. In yep. ten years' time, we'll be having a minute silence for somebody who's been killed at Ibrox. 
Well, there you go. You've, you've you just brought I mean? it full circle. You've brought it full circle there, JP, because a glass bottle to the head, you know. Um, and I'm also hearing things like, yeah, we can erect nets. All right, so you still throw the bottles that just didn't get through. I mean, come on. It can't be about that. It needs to be a much uh, larger discussion that, that Celtic, the authorities and Rangers are going to have in relation to this because the safety of fans, players and staff are now at risk. We talk about glass bottles and Joe Hart's goal mouth. You know, a Celtic staff member getting stitches to the back of the head. Greg Taylor's down on the deck and missiles are getting lobbed at him. Lawrence took it a wee stage further with a fan that ran on the park to attack Scott Brown. You know, it, it is something that absolutely needs to be um, sorted and it feeds into the, the ticket allocation as well. I'm reading a, a decent book at the minute, JP, and it's about some people love or love them, but, you know, the old football hooligans from the 1980s and talking about uh, the casual movement. And there's this belief system within people who were involved that the casual movement um, was actually good for what they call the scarfers, people who are going to get the game to watch the football. They're not interested in violence. They're not expecting to go home with a gash on the, the top of their head because what happened is if they were going to a game, they couldn't wear their scarfs. Whereas once there was this um, element of casuals, there was almost also, particularly in away days, an element of safety that if anything kicked off, then those who were there for aggro could go and do it and the scarfers could go and watch the football. So we're now in a situation where you're going to watch the game, but you're at risk. Whereas in the past, if you were moving in those kind of circles, JP, you knew that there was always going to be a risk in terms of hooliganism, casual, all that kind of stuff. So yes, uh, Declan spoke about that. It wasn't nice. We've all been at a gig, JP, where you get hit with a plastic cup and you're just praying that the liquid is cold and no warm. But obviously there was cups of urine getting thrown in at the Celtic fans. By the way, as well. if, this was, if this was Celtic, if this had all happened at Celtic Park, I'd be con- I'd be coming on here and condemning it just as much as I am right now for the fact that it's Rangers. So if if <clears throat> if the if the reverse happens at the next Celtic Park fixture, mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I mean, I, I would not be happy about things being thrown into the Rangers' end. Cups of you know, whatever, or batteries or coins or anything. I, I, I just just enjoy the fact that we're beating them. Mm-hmm. I'm nine points clear. But they obviously, they, they hate us with a passion. We know that. <clears throat> we hate a section of their support with a passion. I know that because I do. Anybody that's discriminatory, discriminatory against me for my beliefs, I've got an issue with that. And there's a lot... There's a lot of them that are like that. There's a lot of them that aren't. And I'm sure there's a lot of Rangers fans who I would hope are appalled at the behaviour of their fellow Bears. Mm -hmm. 
Ibrox, so yeah, I'm sure there are JP without a doubt. We're going to get into the, the football chat, the January transfer window chat as well. Stevie Boy's in from YouTube. Think we have a wee bit more savvy now about the price of our players and what we should expect for them. The days of letting them go on the cheap are long gone, right? I want to talk about a few examples of that as well. Um, and I know that we've done really well with sell on uh transfer clauses, etc. JP, whereby you know, I don't think we got enough for Van Dyke, but then you add on the sell-on and it takes it to a total. We kind of thought we were getting the same with Dembele. There's a few others, actually. The likes of Frimpong, etc. Eduard, that when they do move on again for the secondary transfer, we get a sell-on. But let, let's have a look at some of the transfers where I don't think we have done that well, where we've lost players. So, uh, you know, the, the, the three players that left uh, in Christy Ayer and Eduard at the beginning of Ange Postacoglu's reign, JP, we had kept them for the uh, the ten in a row season that never happened, and by the time <laughs> by the time we had sold them, all three of them, you know, they were diminished assets. If you want to look at the transfer value, so uh, Ryan Christie initially, you prior to going for the ten, um, was uh, there was interest from Crystal Palace and Sampdoria in the player. A year later, he goes, or maybe fourteen months later, he goes to Bournemouth for two and a half million quid. You've lost money on him. Right, so I don't think we were that cute with regards to transfers, and we're only going back eighteen months ago here. Chris Ayer uh, initially was, uh, you know, there, there was interest from AC Milan. By the time he leaves, he goes to Brentford. I think we got fourteen million, albeit with a sell-on clause. And Odson Edward, uh, there was interest from Arsenal and Leicester. He eventually goes to Crystal Palace, and again similar to Ayer, I think the transfer fee was fifteen million. But you know, both players were being talked up in the high teens, you know, kind of £20 million bracket. We lost a lot of money on on those players. Not to mention going back a wee bit further, where we didn't sell players when they were at the moment, that that peak, that sweet spot. Boyata. Boyata, Fulham, £9 million. And Cham, Porto, £13 million. Craig Gordon, Chelsea, £4 million. So I, I take what the commenter says. We, we have been very, very good and shrewd in the transfer market. <laughs> there are examples where... The time has been right, and we've not we've not sold the player, or we've kept them too long, and we've lost money on them. I think both could be said at this moment in time as being reasons for moving on players like Juranovic and Yakimakis. Um, where are you? Because Yakimakis's name has come into the frame over the last week or so, maybe ten days. JP, where are you with him first and foremost? Is he a player that you know? If there is a an offer, and we'll talk about what you value him at. You would allow him to leave at this point. Is it the sweet spot for Yakimakis? Is it time for him to go? Probably, yeah. I don't I don't like I said before, I don't really like players leaving in January, but it's starting to become a bit of a circus with the both of those players mm. whereby you don't really know what the hell's going on. You don't know like why did Juranovic not start on Monday? Mm-hmm. And why does he then get called upon when Taylor gets injured and then put in at left back? He did not look like a left back. He didn't look like he didn't look like a full back at all uh, in that game. He was getting caught everywhere. Everyone has you know, quite rightly said that he had a, a bit of a nightmare. That can happen in a game, obviously, if, especially coming on as a substitute. Mm-hmm. If your head wasn't attuned to thinking that you were going to play that day, and then all of a sudden you're in, you're playing out of position, sort of, and it's in it's at Ibrox. But then you only have to look at what Alistair Johnston did on the other side and his first yeah. ever game for Celtic and arguably was a 
a, a mention for Celtic's player of the match. Um, I don't, I don't think he could have pipped it from Carter Vickers, though. I mean that that sort of tussle that Carter Vickers had with what seemed like everybody on the pitch at the end, and he was just holding everybody off. It still won it. The block on Tillman's shot as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely massive, massive player. When when he did that, me and the guys next to me just jumped. They were all looked about the same age as me, and we just all jumped up and celebrated it as if you know, like I used to celebrate tackles. Love that. I totally uh, love that. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, but Juranovic is becoming a. There's just like a huge question mark over the two of them, and I know. up until now in Postecoglou's tenure, there hasn't been any of that. And I bet you any money he's not happy that there is because you can tell when he gets asked in, in pressers immediately his tone changes and he doesn't say what he really wants to say and he probably has stuff to say but obviously he's not going to do a Lenin after Ferenc Varos and just be like, oh yeah, they don't want to be here. Sorry to be brutally honest with you but they've come and told me they don't want to be at the club anymore and they want to move on. They think mm-hmm. they can get better money elsewhere. They think they've 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 their sell by dates passed at Celtic. Janovic has been here a season and a season and a half. Yeah, aye. Yeah, um, and then they want him. And obviously, World Cup World Cup exploits. Um, on top of that, he'll probably have a taste of 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 a of a of a bigger stage, and also the fact that we're talking about their set their their fees and everything else, these two guys are at the wrong side of 25. The other players that we've all spoke about were all under 25. Mm-hmm. And whether we like it or not, transfer fees will, will be based on players' ages. There's no doubt about that. That's not rocket science to suggest that. We're not exactly telling anybody something that they don't know But by that. So I, I'm not expecting us to get astronomical fees for either of those players um, I, I would expect probably more for Juranovic because of his stature in the game right now um, but you do wonder if there's maybe a, a, I mean a friend of mine uh, Chris messaged me last night from Sydney and said do you think uh, Juranovic's agent is is mad at Celtic because they're asking for too much money so are Celtic going in looking for a fee that's unre- unrealistic for those players, and that's why they're getting miffed because they're unsettled and they want to move. And Celtic are going, "No, oh, well, you're not going for any less than fifteen million or whatever." And and the bids that are coming in are around seven to ten or something like that. I mean, that there, there could be that. You know what? Really, you brought to mind something, JP, and it's really frustrating that we're now at this moment in time, probably for the first time in Angie's reign, talking about. Players that are unsettled, yeah. Players that are maybe agitating a wee bit now. By the way, I know people say that I overreact when it comes to social media, but footballers now—that's a massive tool for a footballer to get something out there, right? So we've spoken in the past about how footballers used to get stories out there, or you know, uh, potential moves or interest and all this kind of stuff, and it was done a lot of the time through journalists. Now footballers have got their phone in their hand; they can put out a message and they try and make it cryptic. Um, Julian done it earlier this season. Yakamakis has done it. And I hate to be speaking like this because, I, you know, 
everything's been great in that respect since Ange came in. Like you said, you used the example of the Neil Lennon tenure when we all re- realised things are not well behind the scenes. There mm. are players in that dressing room who don't want to be here. And you're sitting there as a Celtic fan thinking, wow. And this was during a pandemic where you'd have done anything to get to Celtic Park to watch a game of football, never mind play for Celtic, right? Mm. But then you go back to Rodgers, the same thing happened. We, we mentioned Boyata earlier on. Boyata refuses to play against AEK Athens in a Champions League qualifier. Dembele falls out with, with Rodgers and obviously there's been various other chapters to come since he's left Celtic. You go back, you re- rewind a wee bit further and you go to Dyla and the, the much spoken about uh, senior player revolt when players didn't buy into his methods and all this, JP. So, you know, a manager comes in and you've got that honeymoon period and you just don't want that to end with Ange because things have been so, so good. But just slowly but surely, little elements have come in. First, it was the Julien thing and he's mm-hmm. gone. And then, obviously, we're getting a wee bit of that with Yakimakis. Are we getting it maybe through the performances, Juranovic, on Monday as well? <clears throat> Julian wasn't Angie's player though, so he was like a legacy player from a, a legacy period. issue. Yeah, legacy issue. The Juranovic is his player, and Jakimakis is his player. But Juranovic has been linked away for what seems like a long time. Now. I remember most of the, um, the campaign. Uh, yeah, but it was it seems like quite a while ago. I remember. Um, putting up a picture on Twitter of the Boric and Juranovic hug and saying, don't go yet, or now's not the time, or something like that. And that feels like a long, long time ago that I put that up. So he has been linked away. So whether his head's been turned for a while and this has been an ongoing thing, mm. you've, got to, you've got to ask yourself if that is the case. But I think it's best for all parties, if, if both of those players are to be asked right now in an interrogation room, do you want to be at Celtic? And the answer by both of them is no. Then they have to go ASAP because you just you just don't want people there who are half in, half out. It's not it's not good for anyone. It's not good for the manager when he's getting grilled at pressers. It's not good for the support because we're all talking about it and wondering what the hell's going on. You start questioning players' commitment. Think like obviously performances, mm-hmm. Ibrox, Ivanovic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jack and Marcus comes on and 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 contributes in to the to the equaliser. Albeit just as a stramash in the box after Moyes kind of hit it off somebody and it ricochets, and then I think there's a comeback to Jota and then goes to Jack and Marcus and then Kyogo's there to to finish it. But um. I don't know. I, I just I think now we're in the month where we can do something about this, mm-hmm. and I, I, I would hope that something is done. If, if, like I said, if both of those answers are no. Well, I mentioned it during the week there, JP. If the heads have left the building, their feet can do the same. That's a JP quote. Who are we talking about, Edward? Christy. Oh, Ryan Christie, that's right. Um, and then it just gets to the point where we don't want to see this. Um, situation behind the scenes where there's too much tension, sometimes it bubbles over and the performances, like you say, of Juranovic, going back to Dyla's time, the Commons spitting the dummy out and all that when he's getting subbed off against Mould. We don't want to get to that point. We uh, also don't want them to leave under a cloud. I like no. both of these guys. They've done brilliant for Celtic. Like Jack Marcus, last minute winner at, at McDermott Park. Um, <laughs> loads of other important goals this season and last season. 
My so, frustration with, with Yakimak is that if he was to leave this month, JP, my, my frustration would be we've not actually seen a, a, an entire season of Yakimakis fit and firing mm. on all cylinders. Because mm. I think if you've seen that, you're looking at a 30-goal-a-season striker. We've never seen it, you know. Mm. Um, his first season was stop and start because of the initial injuries that he got. Once he got going, he was a machine. He was he was scoring with virtually every touch of the ball. This season, stop, start. Yeah, he was coming in. He was scoring a few goals. I just think, you know, if, if we were to get a season of Yakimakis fully fit, you would get some serious return on that. Talking of a return, I am interested to see where the valuations are going to be. Um, Beach Boys has come in and say that if you get seven million for Yakimakis, you've won the lottery. I remember, and I go back to this, Anthony Johnson from Sky Sports talking about the fact that when he was leaving his previous club, had they stayed in the league, the transfer fee would have been much larger than what Celtic paid JP. They were they were talking about twelve million euros at that stage. Now it hasn't been playing uh, consistently this season. But I still think seven million's a bit short. I really do when it comes to Yakamakis. I mean, are, are we looking at Yakamakis and saying, right, if he leaves, we're going to replace him with another two and a half million pound striker? I mean, that's the way I look at it. If you're if you're selling a player, could you replace him for the? You know, could you go and replace Yakamakis for seven million? Well, I I don't know that I don't know the market well enough to comment on that. But it's whether or not. I mean, Kyogo is the first choice striker. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Ange Postecoglou's made that very clear, and things that he said and the team selections that he's made. So you're looking for somebody to come in, and I think I think Jack, I think Jack Amakis is at an age now where he realizes his career hasn't got since so brutal to say this, but it hasn't got long to go. I I, I mean, in, in realistic terms, it hasn't. He's come through, most, he's like at the end of his 20s. So he's only really got, what, four, five years left at the top of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. ask Lee Griffiths, look where he is. This like, is thing. Things can change so quickly. How quickly they can age. change, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think he's obviously thinking, right, I want to play as much football, score as many goals, win as many trophies. If I can win a trophy at the club that I go to, not all clubs are going to be potential trophy winners like ourselves um, but he's obviously thinking I want to play week in week out and I realise here we've got Kyogo who is a bit of a phenomenon let's let's be honest about it look at his, his goals this season his numbers are great he's now scored at Ibrox he's ticked that box mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't put it past him to score against them again at Celtic Park if, if fit and they'll probably start in that game. So already, Jack and Marcus will be looking forward to the rest of these games this season, going, what am I going to be doing this season? Am I going to be a last 15, 20 minutes player in these games with the odd start here and there? If I'm going to move, probably need to move now. And I don't have an issue with that at all. I mean, there'll be people who'll be like, oh, but you're at Celtic, you know, it's great. Look at our bigger club is, our support's amazing. It is, but you need to think about the player in this situation and I know I've not played seven aside for about a month and a half right I'm itching to play a game I can't wait to play on Tuesday at Tory Glen cannot wait I'm really really excited about it that's me I'm I'm, I'm not a professional football player I can only imagine how desperate these guys are to play all the time 
training all week for your for your yeah. job and then mm. not being allowed to do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that a lot of the time, JP, when I'm looking at the fringe players because there's no there's nowhere for them to play. They can't play for the B team. There isn't any bounce games. If they're not on that first team, they're not playing. So guys like Adeguchi, James McCarthy, all these players, Stephen Welsh at the moment as well, though he's got an injury. If you're not on the team, you're, you're nowhere near the you know getting a game of football. And it must be so frustrating. And I can understand that, um, yeah, you look at, Juranovic's uh, performance on Monday and you think it, it must be connected. Of course, he's human. It's playing on his mind, perhaps, because I've seen him playing much better than that at left-back to the point where last season I'd have been playing him at left-back and I said that on the, on the bulletin a few times, mm. although not now, uh, Taylor, because uh, you are now some kind of cult icon and we'll be looking oh, back at, by the at way, that as well. By the way, I don't normally... Well, I do sometimes, usually after, uh, after we've played them, but I watched... Uh, podcast like this from the other side of the city and Greg Taylor was described as crap Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And wow, the guy couldn't understand why he was at Celtic and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, Wow. Wow, real football knowledge there. Right? I mean, have you have you watched the guy? He's won over one of the most difficult supports to win over in world football, probably, in terms of ourselves and how fickle we are about, especially players coming from other Scottish clubs. I've said that before. It's, it's a snobbery thing. It's a snobbery thing that happens with them as well, um, where they think that we're probably better than signing a player from a Scottish club. But... I, I think Greg Taylor's been outstanding, and I've, and most people say the same thing now, which is which is great. So to be described as crap, and 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 also the the guy opined as to whether or not he chucked it. If you think that Greg Taylor is the type of player that was happy about going off in that game, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, bizarre. Not uh, it is bizarre. We'll get to the Goldson penalty um, decision. JP, but it does show you how people only see what they want to see. They really do, honestly. Um, here we go. 17 million or higher for Juranovic is realistic. And for a defender at his age, says Mourinho, anything over 10 million for Gigi would be great. Well, I used to have this kind of rule of thumb where I thought if Celtic can make 10 million quid off a player profit, they will. Um, and if you look at, we're not going to make 10 million pound profit in Yakamakis, I get that. But if you look at the two transfers combined, perhaps we will. And if we do, and we walk away with 20 million in the coffers, JP, then you've got to say it's good business. We've already replaced Juranovic. He started on Monday. And by the way, I'd agree with you. I think there was one moment, and I'm this is if you're going to be hyper, hyper critical. There was one moment, and I put it down to the fact that he's not familiar really 
played for Celtic yet, and it was the Joe Hart moment. So at the at the, the time of watching the game, like yourself, and you're fully emotion, and you're thinking, what are you doing, Joe Hart? And, and then there was this thing about the, the momentum shift happened after Hart made that mistake and had to make the save. It gave them a wee bit of hope and all this stuff. But watching the game back yesterday, and I mentioned this yesterday, so I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this, JP. Actually, he looks up at one point when he's got the ball at his feet, Joe Hart, and he looks up at Carter Vickers, but Carter Vickers doesn't want it. So there's obviously a player too close to Carter Vickers, but he kind of looks to his left-hand side as if to say, give it to, which would have mm-hmm. been Ralston or Juranovic. Mm-hmm. But Johnson's not there. So Ralston or Juranovic would have been there because they know how we play. Johnson's mm-hmm. not there, but he's tracking back, and he's there a few seconds later, JP, by which time Joe Hart's moved his body around the other way, and then you know the fun begins, and he needs <laughs> to pull off a tremendous save. But that—that's my only minor criticism. Other than that, I thought he had a phenomenal debut for you know the scenario that he's been thrown into. I thought he was brilliant, uh, Johnson. Yeah. yeah, and he does love a tackle, doesn't he? He's not—he's mm-hmm. not shy in uh, putting it in um, where it hurts. But <clears throat> on, on Joe Hart, just touching upon that, a guy brought up could be a girl last week um, in the live chat. By the way, just to echo what John Hughes said yesterday, I I don't watch the live chat. I don't. So if anyone ever asks anything in the live chat and a question to me, I've not seen it because I'm concentrating on speaking to Paul and I, I, I would lose all train of concentration if I was screaming through the comments. But I do look back at them afterwards because sometimes people say some interesting and spicy things about me or the conversation or whatever. Yeah. There's a guy or girl called Strachan's Laptop who has definitely had the knife out a few times for me in comments. So if you're watching, hiya, I do read what you say. Um, and you brought up last week when I was talking about Moy and, and and the fact that there was a lot of people that jumped on the Moy sign and, and you're like, what about your Joe Hart comments, JP? What about your Joe Hart comments? I didn't like Joe Hart as a person. I didn't say that he was a bad signing. I didn't necessarily think he was the soundest person going. I didn't really have that much uh, excitement about him signing for Celtic on a personal level. I did realise that he was a good goalkeeper, though, and I didn't at any point throw my toys out of the pram about him signing for Celtic. I was quite prepared to give him an opportunity to prove me wrong as a, in terms of him as a person, and he's more than done that. Um, but the, the fact that he signed as a goalkeeper at the time was not something that I was up in arms about. If anything, I was like, how the hell have we managed to get a goalkeeper like Joe Hart? I saw the Joe Hart signing as being like a Chris Sutton signing or a Scott Sinclair signing, someone who has been down on the luck in England, is way yeah. better than Scottish football and has come up to prove a point. And I think he's done that. because he won the, won the league in his first season and has played on almost every single game. Yes, he's made some pretty uh, high-profile mistakes. He's also, more than often than not, been pretty great in games and been a huge, huge common influence over the back four um, and and marshalled them really well. And, OK, he hesitated, like Paul said, and and, and caused that bit of consternation in the defence, but then made up with it with a, with a really good save onto the post. Um, and I don't really think, other than that, there was anything that he did massively wrong in the game uh, on Monday. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to respond to that because 
I'm I'm putting my face out here. You know who I am. My name is on the screen. My face is on the screen. I'm not hiding. <clears throat> I'm not hiding behind an avatar. And by the way, no offense to anybody that does choose to do that on YouTube, um, but keep it positive. Yeah, I know. And other people actually hide behind a picture of my face on their avatar and pretend to be Paul John Dykes. We've seen that. I'm aware of um, that. Yeah, absolutely. Chancer, fifteen million quid for JJ. Uh, right. Okay. No. I'd, that's not a million miles away from what I'm thinking um, for Zhiranovic. We've got Beach Boys, so try to come in and be a bit, um, giving us a wee bit of realism here. Tell me why Gigi is a £10 million player, bought for £2.5 million quid 18 months ago, scored 75 goals in 10 years as a centre forward, failed in the most high profile games for Celtic, started 7 out of 29. I think when you look at the running form he's on, I get what you mean. He wasn't particularly prolific prior to that final season at VV Venlo. But he has been prolific since he came to Celtic. If you look at the minutes he's played, he hasn't started a great deal of games, as you quite rightly say. But I don't know if he's failed in the most high-profile games because it's not like he got a right good run at games in Europe, JP, and he failed and failed and failed. And I actually think he's been a really good weapon for us against Rangers, which is obviously the biggest game domestically. Um, But why is he a £10 million player? I think that the, the the fact that if he is sold at this moment in time, we need to replace him. How much are we going to be spending is what I would be looking at as well on a replacement, JP, because we're not going to be... If we get to the stage where we we buy a striker in for 10 million quid because we've sold one, but the striker we bring in is a 21-year-old, an Edward, you know, because mm-hmm. he'd be signing for £9 million. I see that as progress. I think, I what, Cel- I think what Celtic yeah. will do... I reckon we'll get maybe eight million quid if we sell them. And if we get seven or eight million pounds, we'll probably spend another two and a half million pounds on a player from a market where we can pick up a bargain. As long as you don't sign a Skepovic or a Bangura. A Skepovic. Well, but, but, but whoever we sign, we have to it has it has to be a well scouted player. But like look you look at all the players we've signed so far in the last 18 months, they all have been. It would be pretty left field if we suddenly sign somebody. For two and a half million, they were a complete flop. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought Postecoglou would put his name to a player that he wasn't a hundred percent sure about. So, I, I, I just think we have to. I'm, I've been guilty of it in the past as well, getting really hung up on 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 players and being a, becoming attached to them and all the rest of it. But if if anything, this ten, this um, management and this current regime is making me think a lot differently about how I yeah and how I attach myself to players and just accept that it's a shorter shelf life not everyone's going to be a lifer like James Forrest or anything like that um, by the way I didn't think James Forrest was good at Ibrox I, I heard John and um, yourself Paddy. Yeah. and Paddy talking yesterday and both of them seemed to think he played alright but Shock, horror, disagreement in a podcast. Um, apparently, we agree about everything all the time, but uh, no, I certainly didn't think that Forrest played well. Um, I mean, you could make the argument that a lot of players didn't play well um, in the in the main, but I, I think we had the, the best of the first half an hour, and I think we had the best of the last 20 minutes. So mm-hmm. that's 50 minutes. And if they had the best of the rest, then that means that a draw was a fair result. Well, by the time we scored that that equaliser, I'm quite happy to get out of dodge with a draw. I've got to be honest with you. Oh, 100%. Um, 
I, I can see Angie's thinking with Forrest, and I said this yesterday, I, I, I totally see that. We, we're having somebody making their debut behind you. I love Abada, love him a bits. Don't think he's got defensive capabilities, but I do think Forrest does. And I think in the first half, there were two or three occasions where he broke up Rangers' attacks and he'd done really well to protect Johnson behind him. It's a, it's kind of subtle, JP. It's not the, the, the game-changing moments that you're going to remember, but I could see why Ange did it. But I think that um, if you look at the next game we play against uh, Rangers and we, we play what, I don't know if there is a strongest 11 regarding, you know, form, etc. But if you're playing a game against Rangers and Jota's on the wing and Abada's doing his thing and all this kind of stuff, that's a different game. It's a completely different game for me. Um, I mean, there, there, has the chat, there has been a lot of chat flying about, about an illness and a bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, nothing's been commented about that in the press. I would imagine ahead of Saturday's game um, against Kilmarnock, someone may or may... Well, if someone's watching this and they're going to be going to that press conference, fan media or otherwise, it'd be good to know if someone could pose the question and say, was everyone in a clean bill of health? Because I said when Jota came on, I looked at him and I was like, he's lost a lot of weight. Yeah. I said it to the people I was with, mm. by the way, shout out to Susan Wiley and uh, her partner, John, who I was with. I used to work at Tesco with Susan and uh, she was there alongside um, a couple of girls as well. I know Caitlin and Chloe, who I watched the game with. Um, thank you for uh, your company and inviting me to the, the Glen Cairn at the, in Rutherglen. It was most enjoyable Uh Fine establishment as well. One of the best uh, rolling sausage and potato scones I've ever had in my you entire life. You need to stop talking about that, JP, at 12.30 on a Thursday because it sends me bananas. I'm trying to be healthy, man. It's New a, Year's resolution. A, and now I'm thinking a, of brown sauce and sausages oh, on rolls, man. It was, it was unbelievable. They had like a kitchen, which is the perfect setup because if you're on Guinness all day and you've not eaten, probably not a good idea. But, um, but yeah, uh what was I saying? Uh, what was I talking about there? I was talking about... The Glen Cairn, aye, the hospitality, it was... Uh, no, no, no but I was com- going to say something specifically about the game. Uh, oh, yeah, Jota and, and how he looked when he came on. I, I genuinely think he has been... Well, there's been chat of him being, like, unwell for a bit. Yeah. And whether yeah. he's had some sort of bug, but he, he just looked really gone. Like, he looked like he'd... I know he's a skinny guy anyway, but, I mean, he, he just looked a lot thinner and... You could, you could, I could, you could see it in his, in his face. You know, if someone's, if someone, if someone says to me, "Oh, you, you, you've been unwell, you've lost weight," and it's a shock when someone says it to you, but you do. If you've not been well, you do you tend to be mm. to, to not eat the same. So, um, I just thought he didn't look uh, his usual usual self, and um, thankfully he had enough in, in his tank to contribute to the to the equaliser. Um, but I'll be interested to see if he starts on Saturday, for example. I mean, is he ready to start a game? Um, be interested to see if Moy starts on Saturday as well. Yeah, he was the one, I think. Um, not with hindsight. Moy was the player I, I kind of felt a bit of disappointment for. Um, not starting at the week, um, sorry, on Monday there because of the performances he'd put in leading up to the Rangers game. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not he comes back in, does O'Reilly need a rest? I thought he looked really leggy. Again, he might have been affected with this illness as well, JP. Mm-hmm. You know, that affects you by 5%, then it's going to show, especially at that, that stage of the game. Uh, Danielle, welcome back into the YouTube comments. If you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribing yet, get yourself subscribing to A Celtic State of Minds. We're about to launch a new show on the channel. Um, once I get my head around some of the tech 
takes a while, but once I get my head around it, it'll be fine. And um, you'll be getting your uh, daily dose of the Axon Bulletin at 12.30, plus something else every day as well on a Celtic state of mind, all for free. So get yourself subscribing, as Daniel F. has done. I don't want to see JJ in a Celtic top again. Monday was unforgivable. He's played like that most of the season for us, especially in Europe. Now, I guess my relationship with Juranovic, he became quite a, a favourite pretty quickly, didn't he? Um, in a Celtic jersey. Um, and I think that, you know, there were spells last season and this season where I would have played Ralston. Uh, and I don't know this season if it has been down to the head being turned, JP, the head being mm. out the door, all this kind of stuff. I don't think he's been at his best. And he goes and has a particularly good World Cup. And you're glad for him particularly the game against Brazil. We know he played really, really well and you're really happy for him. And then he comes back and he has probably the worst game in a Celtic jersey I've seen him playing. (laughs) (laughs) So I get Daniel's frustration here. Um, But again, I I think the the fact that he wouldn't be playing on Saturday would be more down to the the way that he performed at left back. Johnson, for me, starts at right back on Saturday and you put in Burnaby and you see what he can do. It's time for Burnaby to get a run of games now because Taylor's out. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, incidentally. Let's see if he has got the defensive capabilities. Let's play him left back. I would agree with Daniel if um, if Juranovic shares her thinking, if he doesn't want to be in a Celtic top again. Hmm. But I, I, would, I would absolutely share that. Um, and maybe with a full-strength squad and everyone available, he's not given the opportunity to play for Celtic again. Because, well, January or 5th of January, you'd imagine, is it going to go to the last minute? Like, is it going to be one of these sort of midnight transfers on deadline day where all the speculation all comes to a head? I wouldn't have thought that Celtic or Ange Postacoglu would want that to be the case. They would surely want whatever deal is going to be done to be done, you know, too sweet. So, yeah, I would definitely say... Burnaby, if Burnaby doesn't get a shot on Saturday, then that's worrying because it's all very well not trusting him in the cauldron of Ibrox, especially, you know, he was obviously aware of of, of Sakala and Sakala's pace. Mm. So I'm talking about Postacoglu, so he's obviously maybe thought, I don't want to hang this guy out to dry. I don't know if he's mentally right to cope with this. Obviously, that's a concern in itself because did Paddy not say yesterday you shouldn't pay three million for somebody that you're not going to trust? Well, that, that's the thing. It, it doesn't seem as though we have. And you were talking about the mentality required at Ibrox, JP. That's a huge part of it. And, mm. you know, he obviously thought Johnson had that mentality, but he didn't think Burnaby had it. So that that is yeah, interesting. Yeah, a Canadian and an Argentinian, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not being I'm not being uh, xenophobic or anything like that, but I mean an Argentinian Ibrox away, a young Argentinian Ibrox away. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. 
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I remember watching clips of him before we signed him, and everyone was like, oh, this guy's a bit fiery, isn't he? He, 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 he likes to get involved. Maybe Ange has been obviously Durant. He couldn't have possibly foresaw that Juranovic was going to have as much of a whitey as he did. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was. Um, but there's obviously, I mean, I'm sure Ange Postacogos watched those YouTube videos as well and maybe thought, nah, I didn't want to go down to 10 men here. So, and he'll, uh, he'll, know, he'll know the mentality of the player, he'll know the personality. You know, having trained with him every day. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we are not part of that is going on behind the scenes. Ryan Kelly, welcome to the show. Afternoon uh, to us both when you're on. Uh, we, we had a little bit of a mishap at the beginning, but uh, whenever that happens from now on, Paul Sheridan's coming on to serenade you until yeah. we get the text sorted. Um, it's, a, it's a nice comfort blanket. Susan Finlay, afternoon, boys. Hail, hail, and happy new year to everyone at Axon Thursday Bulletin. Yes, happy I hope everybody too. is having a healthy new year. Um, loads to look forward to this year Brennan Monaghan comes in from the Netherlands hail hail to yourself sir um, and also Chris Fraser Celtic have to demand top dollar they cannot bend over on this well we shall see and I hope that we do get what the players are worth if indeed as JP has said their heads have left the building now there has been a lot of chat JP this week uh, but you've not had your opportunity to to speak about the big decisions or a couple of the big decisions um, in relation to Monday's game. Let's well, start have, maybe not on here, but I have. Believe me, I've spoke about it with uh, with friends, and we don't all agree. That's for sure. Well, the, the big thing is, I don't mind that. I really don't, right? And the fact, and I said this yesterday, I understand that there are you know biases that I have inherent biases, JP, and I totally understand that. So when I'm looking at Goldson's handball, for example, I'm trying to see it from all angles. Um, when I'm looking at Starfelt, I think that one is a wee bit harder to argue away, um, although I can see why it's frustrating for us to, to concede at that point. Celtic have asked the SFA to um, discuss the implementation of VAR and how it's being used, and I totally get that as well because I think it's been shambolic at best. We'll start off with the Starfelt, the Starfelt incident. Mm-hmm. Um, he was getting pelters, Starfelt, from some people after the game. I don't think he had a particularly bad game. I said that yesterday. No. Was it a penalty? No. Uh, I I get why some of the people I've spoken to have been like, oh, he was mental going sliding in like that. He gave the referee a decision to make. I've watched it about 30 times. He slides in to block what he appear, what he thinks is going to be a cross. Uh, his trailing leg is sliding, bent underneath his body on the ground, which mm-hmm. goes into the path of where Sakala is. Sakala's foot goes up, stands down on him, and then everyone's like, oh, well, because Starfelt's foot was where the ground should have been, Sakala can't put his foot down, so therefore it's a penalty. I, I honestly don't subscribe to that at all. And the fact that Sakala is down on the ground, holding his thigh, whatever part of his leg that's not injured, 
and then fist pumps towards the Rangers support is absolutely abhorrent. And folk are like, oh, you would have done the same if it was Kyogo or Jota doing that. I'd be like, no, I wouldn't. That's sneaky. It's sleek. It. Uh, and then someday, Rangers fan on Twitter shared a video from the 90s of Sid getting sliced in the box and winning a penalty. He gets upended almost as a somersault and full, uh, a full somersault. Lands, gets up uninjured, but it's clearly a penalty. Uninjured, mm-hmm. doesn't feign injury. Could have, but didn't. Fist pumps to the air, referee points to the spot. And he was like, oh yeah, because you've never celebrated a penalty. I'm sorry, there's a difference between celebrating a penalty when you've been fouled and celebrating a penalty while you're lying there pretending to be injured. That's just Absolutely. Not, I know. It's not okay at all. And it also makes you then question the validity of the actual award of the penalty in the first place. Why was it not looked at by VAR? Why did it not did it didn't go to VAR at all? It's a pretty contentious decision. Mm-hmm. Why did it why was there three minutes spent looking at Hatati's offside at Celtic Park and there was nothing look, looked at for that penalty? Nothing. I know. I know. But the thing is, though, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a false equivalence, and you get it all the time. And social media, I think, is brilliant in many, many ways. I mean, you get introduced to different opinions, new music, JP, archive footage. You get to um, converse with people that, you know, you don't you know normally see or, or you don't sometimes even know. Not in a good, sometimes Some, not in a good way. <laughs> sometimes not in a good way, yeah, uh, particularly when it comes down to the way you speak, the way you look, the way your jacket looks, whatever. That That's a nonsense side of it, but it's a false equivalence. The minute you come up with a point and then you say, ah, but what about this? What? And I mean, you're going back to Simon Donnelly's time in the 90s, seriously. By the way, that there's another wee point that came to my mind. We were talking about players who rock the boat almost, JP. Remember um, the, the team that Tommy Burns was building? And you think back, politics aside, football only, of the Decanio impact, right? And how exciting and entertaining a footballer he was. But when you talk to some of the players in that squad, they felt the dynamic completely changed when Decanio came in. And not for the better, in terms of there's a guy who is a mercenary as a footballer, and the whole mood within the camp that there's somebody in there who's not like the rest of them in terms of, you know, buying into Tommy Burns' vision uh, or Celtic's vision. And uh, De Canio was the first of a few. That uh, You know, Van Hooydonk was similar in that respect uh, where it got to the point where he wanted to move and, you know, you'll down tools and you'll, you'll get your move and you'll make comments in the press and all that nonsense. So I think Celtic managers have faced this right back to the 90s. Um, and I'm unhappy that it's happened. It's reared its head, but we are working in modern football. And if those two guys don't want to wear a jersey, as Daniel said earlier, maybe they shouldn't. Paul Andrew Martin, Alan Morrison, who contributes on a Friday, said that Yota and Burnaby were worse affected by the bug. Now, if that's the case, and it's making more sense as to why Zhiranovic goes on at left-back, JP. Because mm-hmm. I say we're not party to everybody information that's going on at the club. If that and is the case, I get it. Starting at right. Right mid as well, because if if everybody had been fit, rewind back to Monday morning. If everyone's fit, is James Forrest starting that game for Celtic? I wouldn't have thought so. Nah. Given the way everything has gone this season and the way you look at the pattern of everyone starting, James Forrest last starts at, um, what? Did he start against Hibs? He didn't start against Hibs, did he? Mm-hmm. No. So, and he got bombed out of the side after scoring a hat trick. 
after his best performance of the season. Aye, um, so I, yeah. I, it doesn't does really fit with everything to tell me to tell me that that would have been what had happened if everyone had a clean bill of health. The other penalty incident, Conor Goldson, one hundred percent penalty. In this modern climate of penalties being given left, right, and centre, and the ones that have been given against us. How that wasn't a penalty, how it wasn't properly reviewed by VAR, an absolute mystery, a complete mystery. But JP, you, you put that out there and the arguments to say that it's all right to put your hands up and, and change the direction of the, the, the ball, by the way, and then pin everything onto the fact that somebody at the Herald um, has brought up the Q&A section of the IFAB, right, in, mm-hmm. in terms of the rules, and it's going on about the reflex, the natural reflex, um, the reaction of the ball coming towards your face and you're trying to protect yourself. Explain Bernabe's that against Dundee United then. Yeah, because the natural reflex of his back arm is to, because he's in flight. Michael Smith or Matthew <laughs> Smith about everybody's yeah. name perhaps. How, how is that not a penalty? Like, absolutely I know. I know. mental. And it's Unbelievable. Not, it's not a conspiracy. I don't think it's this... North Lanarkshire Refereeing Association or anything like that. I get that there's maybe a bit to that in the past. I don't believe that that's what's going on here. I just think that it's... There's other teams. I listened to Super Scoreboard um, from either yesterday or the day before, and there's there's other... I think it must have been yesterday's because Marvin Bartley was on it, and he was saying that it's not just Celtic that are getting bad decisions. I don't see every single game every single week but the, the the rules are being applied in different ways in different games and they need to they need to sort it out because it's it's just as a football fan as someone who pays for a season ticket it's not really uh, fair I don't think to, to expect people to go and fork out money to then be given get, getting decisions getting given against you. There is a there is now a process that allows for these things to not happen. In the past, that would have happened in a split second, and we would ne- there would never been an opportunity for the referee to see it again. Now we've actually got technology to rewatch an incident in slow motion and serious angles. Serious angles. We're not watching it. <laughs> And then we're, we're not watching it, we're just choosing not to watch it. How in the hell is that a thing? I mean, I, exactly. I was concerned about VAR coming in only because I didn't want it to interrupt games like Ange Postacoglu said, where we're all, I hope we're not all standing about looking at a guy with his finger in his ear. But I'm sorry, when it comes to contentious decisions like that, I'm quite happy to sit about and wait for a couple of minutes so that we can get, get, it, right. get, get it right and get justice. There's no way you can tell me that everybody that's watched that, all the pundits have all said it's a penalty. Nearly all of them. <laughs> There's nobody I've spoken to that said it's not a penalty. The, well, the, the Starfield one's been contentious amongst people I've spoken to because people have said, no, 100% a penalty. The 20-minute Tim's guys unanimously said it was a penalty. And they were, so they've got, you know, they're, they're not being biased or anything like that. They, they all said Starfield was a penalty. I, don't agree with that, but then that's the same as me and some of my my friends that I've spoken to. But then they all said, all three of them said that the Goldson run was a penalty. Yeah, 
there's a couple of things. people. Do you know what I mean? Uh, They're not uh, maniacs. No, absolutely. I mean, when you use an example for the 20-minute Tim's boys, absolutely, rational people. There's, there's other people that I wouldn't listen to, but they're no, they're no in that category. When, when you mentioned there about this old thing about paranoia, um, the reason that that is continually brought up, right, and as I said a couple of times in the last week, anybody who's not read the book by Tom Campbell who delves into Celtic's paranoia, is it all in the mind, right? Go and check it out. You'll pick it up for a couple of quid on eBay or Amazon or whatever. It's tremendous. And what you see there is the history, the historical element of where Celtic were treated differently, JP. And it's broken up into chapters. We go right back to flying the flag of Ireland at Celtic Park and Celtic almost being um, dispelled from the league for doing so and refusing to take it down in the 1950s. That actually reared its head again right up into the 1970s. That's the SFA versus Celtic. You then look at the Jim Farry incident with Cadetti's registration, SFA versus Celtic, and there's so many other examples, right? So you've also got people going on about, oh, the referees are going to go and strike again. Look at the reasons why that happened. That happened because um, an official was told to lie in relation to a decision against Celtic. So the historical element is there, like you say, JP, and that is why, you know, in the past, with regards to people saying that there's uh, a, an agenda um, or there's corruption or or the word that I always see is cheating and all that, I get that. But see, in the here and now, it is different. And what I always go back to is that you can't prove that there's corruption or cheating at this moment in time. So I don't use these words, but we all know that people are biased. And that's what it comes down to. People are biased and people are, by the way, and you don't like hearing this a lot of folk, um, they are incompetent at the job. I think VAR has, has highlighted that, but they're biased. And that is one of the biggest issues we have as Celtic fans because I, you can't deny that that, that that is true in all, walk, all walks of life, JP. Yeah, if you remove from my memory the Burnaby penalty, the Matt O'Reilly penalty, the Hearts penalty, mm-hmm. the two penalties given against us in the Burnabout, I don't know if I'm as livid at that Goldson penalty being denied. I don't know if I am. Probably not. Probably not. But it's when these decisions have been given against you in other games that... Doesn't it, doesn't it stack up? Potentially could have cost you. It didn't cost us at Tynecastle, didn't cost us at home at Dundee United, didn't cost us at home at Ross County. It did cost us in the Bernabeu uh, because we were 2 0 down to two penalties. Yeah. That is right, isn't it? I'm not, I've not blurred my memory there. There, there was two penalties, was, was, was what. That's was, right. Aye. Aye. Yeah. And contentious. Yep. Yeah. And the Matt O'Reilly one, I mean, everyone said, well, quite a lot of people have said the Yens one. Where where was he supposed to put his hand as he was falling? Um, and the Matt O'Reilly one, he's turning away from it, and the ball hits his hand, and Enough. they get a penalty. So, like I said, you take away from them, you take them away from my memory. I'm I'm maybe not as uh, irate about the Goldson one as I am, but they are in my memory. I do remember them. I remember being how annoyed how they were, and it doesn't matter if. Gordon Duncan or whoever says, oh, but remember at the time we were at, we we all said that the Burnaby one shouldn't have been a penalty, and you know the the Hearts one should have been a penalty. It's all very well saying that, but they were. They were. <laughs> they were. Those decisions did go I, against us, so it's exactly. not as you can go like fast forward down the line and be like, oh well, you know, but we did say at the time. It makes no difference. It makes no difference because it's, it's us that are on the end of these wrong decisions. So. 
the minute you stand up and say that that decision's wrong, you get called paranoid. It's not about that. We need to have an adult discussion about it, JP, which we're having today. It's difficult sometimes on social media to have that. Hopefully Celtic can have it with the SFA. Um, it's a penalty all day long. If if that is the new rules, if, if these are the new rules where you can, you know, reflex motion your hands in front of your face in case the ball's going to hit it, you would be teaching your players to save, save shots. Just make sure your head's behind your hands. You know, how many times have we seen sending offs for people stopping the ball for going in? Because they just think, right, there's a chance we might save or they might miss the penalty. Mm. And it's like, at the end of the day, that was as blatant a handball as you'll ever see. And then people try and freeze frame it to prove that, you know, the ball had left Starfelt's foot. And at that moment, that's when the reaction was. It's a nonsense. It's an absolute nonsense. And if, for example, it had been given against Rangers, something we've not seen this season, I'm pretty sure their view on the matter would be completely different. Now, it has been a very interesting return to the Thursday Bulletin, JP and myself. I want one final thing. I'm putting you on the spot here, JP, right? Because you are in and amongst the music scene, and in particular in Scotland and in one of Scotland's most iconic venues. Give me a tip for 2023. Give me a band or an artist for 2023. Uh, that's a very good question, and you've put me on the spot. I <laughs> will <laughs> uh, say that's really hard, Paul. I, I, I actually don't really know. And, and probably if the bookers at King Tuts were watching this right now, they'd be screaming names at me. I'm sure Chris, Chris Limbs would be screaming a name at me. Uh, I honestly don't want to just throw away, say, uh, some, I'll tell you what, Gently Tender. There you go. There's a band. I'm going to go and check them out right now. The thing- they, they supported the Big Moon at Oren Moore when I did a show with them. And uh, they used to be Palma Violets, if you ever remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were, they were, I think two or three of them were, they were, were Palma Violets. And uh, I am a big fan uh, of them. I think they were, they're really good from from uh, over the border in England. That's where they're from, and I would imagine. I think they are actually playing a gig, uh, not for not at King Tut's, which is a shame. But I think they're playing at the Hug and Pint in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So check them out. Check them out. I will check them out. Someone jumps in. Dylan John Thomas. We had. Does he doesn't need any help in promo? He sold out to Barrowland. <laughs> we we spoke to him down at Nottingham. Um, good guy. Very good guy. Celtic fan, um, in case you were wondering. But yeah, I just wanted a wee bit of that because I remember at the Hogman area, um, the wee fella allowed to stay up for the first time to see the bells coming in, JP. Mm-hmm. Brooke Combs on on the BBC, um, on the Edith Bowman show. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at that going, you know, we called it, I mean, anybody anybody could have called it because she's that that good. But it's always good to see that you know, that movement up the up the ranks, if you like. She's now mm. appearing on the Hogmanay show and I'm pretty sure she'll be massive uh, come t- 2023. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. How do you support us? All you need to do, give us a thumbs up on the video on YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. 45% of you have not yet subscribed if you're watching right now. So please subscribe. As I say, we've got big plans for 2023. And if you fancy a wee bit of our merchandise, all the links are underneath the video as well. All that's left for me to say, JP Mason, thank you again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.